we welcome you to the preaching service of the Scotts Fork Christian Church. I am Otis Clark, the minister of the church, and we are so pleased to have you with us. Today, we're going to be speaking about a subject from the Gospel of Matthew concerning Pilate. And I'm sure you've heard many messages along this line, but uh, the question that he had before him, and needless to say, the question that all of us have before us every day of life, and that is, what will you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? This is a time of a lot of questions. We all know that we are sharing in March Madness. Uh, it's going on continually. And, and I'm sure that uh, as uh, we have viewed and watched the particular games that probably our Purdue friends are asking a lot of questions. What in the world happened? Why did we lose our game? Probably we could talk to our friends at Duke and probably many of them are asking also questions what in the world happened to us as to why we lost the game. Life is full of questions. Questions, questions, questions. But brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that there is no greater question, now listen to me, that any individual has before him or her, greater than the question that Pilate had before him. And so this morning, I want to read from the Gospel of Matthew, beginning in verse 11 in uh, the 27th chapter. And uh, we will read that question where Pilate had before him, what shall I then do with Jesus? So let's listen to God's word, starting in the 27th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew in verse 11 and following. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he had no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had uh, well known, a well-known prisoner uh, whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one of you want to release, we release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. So when Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. And then he asked, What shall I do then? With Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. And they all said, Crucify him. Now, as we look at this teaching, and you've heard probably these words many a time, is what you will do with Jesus is a question we often ask of non-Christians, but what about Christians? How do we 
answer that question. Pilate was a man trained and commissioned by Rome to act as a judge. If there was a, a dispute and a decision was to be made, he was the man. In cases like these, he was the judge, he was the prosecutor and defense attorney. And as such, he was trained to ask the kind of questions that would find the truth. Notice what he had already determined. For instance, in Matthew 27, 28, we read, Jesus, or not beg your pardon, Pilate knew it was out of envy uh, that they had handed Jesus over to him. In Luke 23 and 4, Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. We can tell by Pilate's questions that he was well trained. His questions were good questions. Perhaps the most critical question Pilate asked that day was this question, and I know I've already mentioned it a, a time or two, but we must realize how powerful, powerful this question is. What shall I do then with Jesus? A good question, but it seemed no one had an adequate answer. For instance, we look at Pilate himself, who knew the reason the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead. It was because of their jealousy. Pilate himself knew Jesus was innocent. Pilate himself also, who knew that this was not justice, but mob rule, abdicated his responsibility. And so Pilate asks the question and then refuses to answer it himself. He simply, as we have read, he washes his hands of the matter. And yes, it seems he says to the crowd, I'll make sure he's crucified, but it is not my fault. And so we notice that when we look at Pilate, what Pilate should have done and so forth, but he asks for the release of a base criminal. The crowd heard Pilate's question and urged on by their leaders became an irrational mob scene crying, crucify him, crucify him. It's in response to their frenzied cry that Pilate calls for the bowl and washes his hands of the matter. And they respond by declaring, let his blood be on us and on our children. Now, I'm going to be reading in uh, the third chapter of the book of Acts, verses 11 through 16, because it, with that thought in mind, I want you to listen to what Luke, as he wrote in the third chapter of the book of Acts, uh, what he had to say, and it, it alludes to the response that was being made uh, by the people at that time. The Bible says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colony. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, as we read in that third chapter of the book of Acts, and you disowned him before Pilate, 
though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murder be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. And also notice that the gospel message included in the fact that Jesus' blood was upon them. And moving on to that fifth chapter in the book of Acts, it was part of God's message. And the Jews reacted to it and were told that someone came and said, look, the man you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. And having brought the apostles, that they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And they said, you gave you strict orders not to teach in the name. And he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. How true, friends. Let me review here for just a second. In reacting to the question, Pilate's response was inadequate. The Jewish leaders were irresponsible. And the mob, uh, the mob's behavior was very irrational. And we need to notice that none of these responses, however, undermine the fact that Pilate's question was a good question. In fact, the question is still good today. What will you do with Christ? And we need to keep in mind that what we do with Jesus it will and, and with Jesus will depend on what we think of him. Let me ask you, have you ever taken time just to step back and think for a moment, what do I think about Jesus Christ? Probably living here in the Bible Belt and, and so, etc., that most people have heard at least something about Christ. They have heard that he was the person who was put on the cross, who was died and who was buried and arose again. And so uh, that uh, we all probably have heard something. But what do you think of him? And you know, I think it's a tragic thing today uh, that uh, by we looking at the fruit that people are bearing, that it appears that a lot, a lot of people maybe are not taking time to think about the Jesus, the Son of God. For instance, uh, when we look uh, back at the teaching of our scriptures and the question was asked in the 11th verse there of the 27th chapter, meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And to Pilate, the answer was no. To the leaders of the Jews, the answer was no. To the crowd, it was no. But friends, we need to understand, unless you believe that he is the king, the king of kings, it is impossible to become a Christian and be the kind of Christian that Christ wants you to be. Over the years, 
that uh, I have shared with all ages of people I guess probably the oldest person that uh, uh, I baptized into Christ was 86 years of age I had her down as a person that I wanted hope and pray that God could use me that I might bring her to this saving knowledge of Jesus Christ visited with her many and many a time through the years and one time I saw her, Sharon and I had eaten at Applebee's and she and her husband uh, were coming out of Applebee's and I think it was in the Christmas season. And uh, I know, have no question, but the Holy Spirit led me and I asked her, I said, honey, we've talked and talked and talked over the years. What can I say to you uh, that would cause you to go the rest of the way and become a Christian and, and be baptized into him? And she said, I'm willing to do it. Have no question in my heart, but that the Holy Spirit was in that situation. Holy Spirit was leading and prompted me to say something to her so that she would acknowledge her faith and be obedient to Christ. You see, friends, when uh, how what we think of Christ uh, is going to determine uh, many, many things. If we understand that without him, uh, we do not have the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, if what we think about him and about his mercy and his grace and his love, the, all of this is uh, going to have a tremendous impact on what we think of Christ. And friends, what we need to see, as it says in Romans uh, 10 and 9, uh, addresses uh, this thought it says Paul and writing to the Christians in the church at Rome he said if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and that's one of the steps of salvation those one of the one of the conditions of becoming a Christian lordship means making Jesus king and controller of your entire life that is so important. It seems a lot of times that a lot of people have acknowledged their faith in Jesus Christ. They have said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Savior. But there's much more involved than just acknowledging that if we're going to be what Christ wants us to be. Lordship, as I said just a second ago, means making Jesus the King are the controller of your entire life. The kingship of Jesus in our lives is not an option. Paul is not talking about just saying words. Either Jesus is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And so over the years, hopefully I'm talking to people who have talked and shared their faith and have talked to people who had not come to the point whereby that they would obey the gospel and, and uh, it, uh, adhere to the terms of salvation, like we would say in sharing with someone that Jesus has said that we must believe, we must believe that he is the Son of God. Not a son, but the Son. And that also that we must be willing to confess him before men so that he would confess us before the Father in heaven. That we would repent of our sins, not only asking for forgiveness, but turning our lives around and seeking to live holy and completely for him.
and then being baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. As you read about in Acts the second chapter, starting 37 and 38, but also all of the first chapter, the second chapter, because the word Acts means the Acts of the Apostles, and, and this is what they did after Jesus ascended uh, back to the Father, and, and on the day of Pentecost, which means 50th, 50th, that the gospel message was preached, and they asked what we must do to be saved. And they were told to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the Bible tells us, and the Lord added daily to the church uh, such as should be saved. So we come to that place after we share and we share those great words, great words as to how our sins can be taken away because of the blood, the grace, the mercy of God. And then we come to that place. And, and so we say, so what will you do with Jesus? You see, friends, what I do with Jesus will depend upon or beg your pardon, will depend on what you think of him and also it will determine how you will let Jesus work and live in your life. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25 and how important it is for him to live in, uh, in our lives. And he says, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? What if you suffer for doing good and you endure it? This is commendable before God. Through this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who just judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. You see, friends, submission is a key doctrine in the scriptures. How are you? How am I? letting Jesus share and live in my life. I hope and pray I'm talking to people, talking to Christians, talking to all people, that you spend time every day in prayer with him, thanking him, thanking God for the best of heaven, thanking God for giving us Christ, and thanking for the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, a man, as we just read here from Peter, who uh, committed no sin, no deceit, was found in his mouth, and that you have accepted Christ, and that you are walking with him, and you're letting him lead and guide your steps. You see, we read the scriptures, and the Bible talks many and many a times about submission. 
And I submit to you, friends, that if you want to receive the blessings of God, listen to me. If you want to really be blessed by God and see his hand, you submit to him the lordship of Christ. You submit your life to him. Wives, the Bible tells us, submit wives to husbands, husbands to wives, that they are to love them as their own bodies, that children to their parents, fathers to their children, don't exasperate them, Christians to fellow Christians, and even Christians to their enemies. Do good unto those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. So we ask a little further here, what does the uh, question or what does submission mean? It means becoming a servant of others, looking out for their best interests, finding ways of making their lives easier. Needless to say, our model of submission is Jesus. He set the example of how we should live, why he should be uh, beg your pardon, why he uh, should be our example, because he is our Lord. This is what he expects of us. If we have made the decision that he is the Lord, then our lives will be modeled by his example. And friends, how we realize not only that Jesus Christ was the perfect, perfect example of submission, but also we understand that that's the way we are to live our lives, totally submitting, submissive to the Lordship of Christ, totally submitted to him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's a true story of a Christian baroness and she was living in Nairobi, Kenya, and she hired a young man as her houseboy. And after three months, he asked the Baroness to give him a letter of reference to a nearby friendly sheik. The young man replied that he was not leaving for higher pay, but rather he had decided he would become either a Christian or a Mohammedan. He had come to work for the Baroness for three months to learn how Christians act. Now he wanted to work three months for the sheik to observe the ways of the Mohammedans. Then he would decide which way of life he would follow. You see, friends, listen to me closely. If you haven't answered the question, what shall I do with Jesus in your life so that it changes your life into humble servanthood, so that it affects your actions and your words, then a lot of people are going to hell. And then lastly, there is one more very important response that we can make to the question, and that is, what shall I do with Jesus? And oddly, it's the same response the crowd gave on the day when Jesus was crucified. May his blood be upon us and upon our children. In Revelation 1.5, it tells us Jesus Christ loves us, has freed us from our sins by his blood. Peter wrote, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. defect. Hebrews 9.14 declares the blood of Christ cleanses our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. 
the most critical response that you can make to God regarding this question of what shall you do with Jesus is may his blood be upon us. The Jewish crowd was calling down judgment upon themselves and so are we. By calling for the blood of Jesus we are saying we're guilty. We're saying we have sinned and we need Jesus to be our Lord and Master. Paul writing to the Roman Christians in the book of Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death. And friends, I just wonder in our day if we in many, many circles of uh, people in our land have lost an Un, I've lost a realization of these teachings that you see friends uh, that's the very reason that he went to the cross for you and for me the very reason was because he died made the perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind and what a tremendous sacrifice it was there has been none ever to be in any form or fashion like unto it Friend, I hope and pray that you understand that uh, there are many questions in life and probably even before this uh, coming to this broadcast that you've podcast, you had to deal with different questions which have come to your mind. Maybe someone asked you a question, but friends, hear me clearly. There is no greater question to deal with and it's so important that we answer that question that we answer it correctly and it's very important that not only we accept him but that we make him the Lord of our lives and we put our hand in the hand of the one who steals the water who does everything perfectly let us pray father I pray if there's anyone who is listening to the podcast and they have never acknowledged their faith in Christ, that they will realize that whether they have or haven't, that question is before us all. Not only us who have become Christians, we have the question before us, what are we doing with him? And then also the person who has not acknowledged their faith in Christ, they certainly have that question. And it is my prayer that if there is anyone listening to the podcast and they have never begun, be given their hearts to Christ, that they would look to the scriptures. They would seek out someone to help them and help them to understand and help them to understand that if we want the hope of heaven, the Bible says that we must be born again, that we must become a child of his. Bless these thoughts and we give you the glory for them. In his name we pray, amen.